Dang it! Cheat <laughs> <laughs> game. Oh, baby, the butt cheek game. Wow. What a freaking comeback for the Broncos. Drew Locke, Philip Lindsay, Albert Okwebunam, KJ Hamler, and the supporting cast of the choking Chargers. And the Broncos are somehow in the winner's lounge after being down 24 to 3. Of course, it's the, the DNVR. Wow, I'm that shook. The DNVR Broncos post-game show presented by Breckenridge Brewery. I'm joined by Andrew Mason and Andre Simone, and we'll have Zach Stevens a little bit later. Uh, but I mean, Mace, can you put this into words? The Chargers, they're going to charge her every uh-huh. time. And ju- as good as Justin Herbert has been, and you know what? he Maybe he didn't get it all the way done in the fourth quarter, but he got the kept driving him downfield he kept making plays Justin Herbert has has got a lot of work to do to overcome the inertia of this franchise finding ways to lose and yeah you can we'll dive into some of the personnel issues and some of the details of it but this is the Justin Herbert era now is him looking like a franchise quarterback and the team, particularly the defense, letting him down week after week and credit to the Broncos for being good enough to capitalize with their best quarter easily of the Vic Fangio era. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, You know, it's so crazy how everything can change so quickly Mm -hmm. in football. Um, and we're sitting there. The Broncos are down 24 to 3. The world has pronounced Drew Locke's <laughs> career over. You've got uh, the team um, m- mouthpiece, for lack of a better term, wondering if, if the starting quarterback is going to get benched uh, for Brett Rippon. Everything, I, I mean, Drew Locke, they're, they're digging his groove. And then, thanks to a guy who did not nearly touch the ball enough in this game. Philip Lindsay, who finishes the game averaging 13.8 yards per carry, I believe, uh, gets the ball finally and takes it, what was it, 55 yards? That's right. Yeah, 55. 55 yards. And all of a sudden, everything changes. All of a sudden, Drew Locke, who, man, I, I was playing with so little confidence, came out and started balling again, looking like the young gunslinger that we know him to be. Uh, the players start making plays. The defense starts making big plays. They're able to cover the Chargers downfield. And then, you know, Drew gets it going. And all of a sudden, you go from, I mean, the darkest timeline of not only do the Broncos lose to the Chargers and Drew Locke plays poorly, but they get smacked to the opposite now, which is now we get to have an interesting conversation about Drew Locke. Uh, and so, Dre, just your takeaways uh, on the entirety of that comeback and also Drew Locke's part in it. Yeah, I mean, I too am shook because that was certainly a tale of two halves. That's going to be one of the funner rewatches I've had in a long time on my game grades. Uh, oftentimes, you know, those can be a bit sad. This is going to be quite the rewatch. Um, 
And yeah, it's, uh, I mean, so much was on the line there. You know, Mace mentions the most exciting quarter, certainly the, uh, certainly the most exciting half of the Vic Fangio era. I mean, I don't know, at the at the half, I was starting to think, you know, what good young, co young coaches in the college ranks would be nice to have next year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe was getting ready to watch some Zach Wilson tape at BYU, you know, and then uh, you have this outstanding comeback despite, um, really a poor showing from the Broncos run defense, which is really where the chargers came in and chargered, but you know, it's so much of, I think Drew's struggles this season have been him putting a little too much pressure on himself, trying just a bit too hard. And, uh, sometimes you need to be in a hole and sometimes you need a, a, one of your teammates to pick you up to just kind of relax and get back to just playing ball. He finally looked more methodical in handling pressure. Um, certainly some of the, you know, the the Chargers getting a little banged up on the front helped as well. But, you know, he's just hitting open guys. He's making things happen on the fly. And, I mean, by that fourth and four, his confidence was sky high. Um, I think everyone in Denver was on pins and needle. Drew Locke looked super calm. I think he knew that penalty was coming 100% and then handles that little RPO just uh, beautifully, you know, completely unfazed. And, you know, while the, the Chargers are going to charge her, a theme in Justin Herbert's career coming into his NFL um, career was that he had a little struggles late in game. You know, you look at the the clip, you can look at the highlights and the stats. Justin Herbert's career thus far has looked a lot better. You look at their win-loss records, Drew Locke has looked a lot better. I, you know, I'm... I'll say it like even I that third quarter was worried about what was going to happen with Drew Locke um, because his con I was so worried about his confidence. Um, he is a player who operates off of confidence and swagger. And, you know, you see the way he's dancing after he gets that touchdown. Those things are really important to his game. And I saw a wide eyed Drew Locke. I saw, you know, a lot of things that were concerning me of just, man, what's going on? How is he going to get his groove back? And that is the number one thing I love about this game. Mace, I know you're going to talk about uh, mm -hmm. a, a lot of, you know, different reasons why this happened. And I think I'll probably agree with you in a lot of these, th in a lot of these areas. But what makes me feel really good about this win is the fact that after that Philip Lindsay play, Drew Locke was able to get his confidence back. He was able to get his swagger back. And yes, did it help that Joey Bosa was out of the game? It sure as hell did. But it also shows you a little bit maybe – what happens when Drew Locke can be protected? What happens when you take the leash off of him a little bit? And, you know, I couldn't help but remember, and there's no need to compare these two players, but I couldn't help but remember, Mace, our first DNVR watches that we did mm -hmm. for the Broncos. And it was John Elway's first comeback as a rookie against the Colts in 1983. And I'll be honest, the games reminded me a lot of each other. Just completely boring, atrocious, three and out garbage offense for most of the game. And then all of a sudden, the light comes on for the young quarterback. He starts getting it rolling. And, you know, for lack of a better term, the hoop is a hula hoop uh, for him all of a sudden. So I just love the fact that Drew was able to get his confidence back because I was really worried uh, of what was going to happen to him if he couldn't get it back. Yeah, and uh, if he doesn't, I mean, we're probably talking about uh, kind of playing out, playing out the string here. Now, at least there's something he can build off of. I mean, part of the, my concern for Drew Locke going into this game and then even into the third quarter was here you had bad games starting to stack up on bad game. And you had, I mean, really, you know, he 
could have been helped a little bit more in New England if the receivers had hung on, but even a normal a normal drop rate would have resulted in a couple of those passes being dropped. It's not like he would have all of a sudden had four touchdowns. And then last week, uh, if not the worst game of his career, certainly the most frustrating with the most on the line. Mm-hmm. So if he doesn't get himself out of that, then it's hard to see him finding a path to recover. Now, while there there's a boatload of things that you still want to work on i mean there's still i mean there's st- there's still the footwork issues oh, yeah. there's still you know everything that was an issue before is yes. still is still present like you remember when he th- when he threw to noah fant there at the end of the game and he misses him he misses him high and it's a classic example of he doesn't get set he's throwing off the wrong foot he's trying to wing it with his arm and that's what i mean when you go into the details of this the stuff with Drew Locke that was an issue, it's still there. But at least yes. now you have confidence coming from things they did do right. When he had a clean pocket, he was stepping into his throws a little more. And again, sometimes it's about taking it, taking advantage of what an opponent gives you. You're not going to be facing an elite defense every week. Sometimes you're going to be facing a crap defense. And how do you maximize that? Mm-hmm. How do you shred them? And Drew Locke did what a professional quarterback should do to yes. what that Chargers defense was by the time Joey Bosa went out. He shredded him. Um, real quick, if you were watching this on YouTube, we would love if you hit us with a like on the video there. And if you're feeling extra generous, maybe a subscribe and even uh, click that little bell next to it. Get yourself some alerts. But definitely hit us with the thumbs up. We always appreciate those. A ton of people watching. Um, so if anyone's new out there, we're happy to have you joining us. Um, just you know, one of the things that I've talked about with Drew Locke uh, and, and this team as a whole is that they believe in him. And I think comebacks like this are only possible yeah. when the players believe in the quarterback. Um, and you saw how happy they were for him. You saw how happy they were as a team. But, you know, a, a team has to have that internal fortitude that, you know, to, to fight, to want to fight. And part of that has to do with belief in each other, belief in the teammates. Um, and, and that was really on display tonight. I have to say, I was utterly, utterly disappointed in the game plan from Pat Shermer. Um, from the jump, it was rough. Uh, Did someone start, order third M15 again? <laughs> I, I mean, look, Drew Locke struggled in the first half, for sure. In the first three quarters, for sure. But uh, quarterbacks aren't going to succeed in third and 12, third and 13, third and 14, third and 15. And he had a little bit of a role in that. But the amount of times that they went run on first down with Melvin Gordon for one, run on second down for minus one, throw is just sickening, honestly, to watch. Um, And, you know, it was too much Melvin Gordon, not enough Phillip Lindsay, obviously. And I was disappointed that they didn't get Albert Okawebunam in there until until they needed him at the end when, you know, and finally he scores a touchdown. I just, I don't think that Pat Shermer had a good plan for this game. Uh, and I thought he was a big part of the problem as to why the offense wasn't clicking early. Do you think some of that early, we saw a lot of two tight end sets, but they were using Fant and Vanette. I think they probably want a little bit more blocking. But do you think some of that early was trying to protect Drew Locke a little bit and trying to simplify things? Because it really felt like that first half game plan was a bubble wrap game plan. Like they were like they didn't want him to make mistakes. It could be. Um but that's not the way to go about this. You know, that makes that reminds me of what we were saying after the chargers mm-hmm. game last year and drew Locke's first ever start. 
it was like, man, what were they doing early on? They mm -hmm. wouldn't let him go. And then finally, when they had no choice to let, but to let him go, he started making plays. Um, I think there's something to that, but the, like the lack of Philip Lindsay and the stubbornness mm -hmm. of this coaching staff to try and make Melvin Gordon something that he just isn't uh, is, is not surprising necessarily. Cause Zach would sit there and, and tell me, just look at the money and he'd be right. Um, but it's disappointing to see them continuously trying to force the ball to Melvin Gordon, even late in the game when they have the second and four um, mm -hmm. and they want to run the ball. Like, why is that not Philip Lindsay? The guy averaging 14 yards per carry at that time. It just, it makes no sense. Yeah. Don't you ride the hot hand? I mean, that seems logical, right? You, if you have two backs and one of them is clearly hotter than the other, ride the guy who who's rolling at that moment. I, I, I did not get that. I mean, I'm sure you guys are asked about that all the time. During the game itself, I had two different friends um, text me. One's not even a Broncos friend, more for fantasy purposes. Like, why is Phil not getting more touches? Um, everyone asks me, and I, at this point, I just tell people, yeah, you and every other Broncos fan is wondering the same thing. Look, he had a career high in touches in New England, then gets the concussion the next game. So I can understand that you're trying to limit him but they gotta do something different whether it's a bubble wrap game plan and trying to protect more they gotta stay ahead of the chains and there were definitely some more penalties that this broncos offense has been good about eliminating thus far maybe helped by the refs being a bit more uh generous or looking at the other way in this 2020 season but still we saw more penalties and that really had the broncos stuck in the mud consistently um but i want to go back to Two points you guys just um, made. You know, we talked about in the pregame show how it, Ryan, how it was really going to come down to not so much big plays from Locke and Herbert, but those guys showing that they're able to take their games to the next level, be more cerebral, and take what defenses gave them. Herbert clearly aced that test in the first half, and Drew Locke did a really good job from the midway through the third quarter on and we got to remember the best of herbert really came in two two minute drives at the end of the half which is where you're going to see um quarterbacks succeed the most and as made set may said so much that still needs to like all of Locke's deficiencies thus far weren't really fixed in in the slightest but we got back to seeing rookie version lock calmer better against um pressure and really just able to elevate his game when things got harder be able to move the chains find those tough scores when you need them and that's the encouraging part that in a season where we've really seen Locke regress and get into some bad habits he was able to unlock something um i guess pun intended but i feel stupid even saying that um <laughs> and uh yeah finally getting able to get back to rookie version of what he was I wonder how, like for Locke in particular, and obviously we, Philip Lindsay's big run, that seemed that galvanized him. But remember, early in the fourth quarter, they have third and 16, and then you hit Jerry Judy for 43 yards. Look, I wonder how much that sort of unclogged things for the passing game, finally getting that explosive lock to Judy play that we just have not seen to yep. this point in the season. It seemed like that just, you know, that was the enema that just cleared everything out. Yeah, it was okay. huge. Um, and 
you know, we, we're going to give out our DraftKings king of the game here. And, and we went back and forth on this. And mm-hmm. I think Drew Locke certainly has a, a great case for this. You know, he ends up making the two big plays at the end of the game. But none of this really is possible without the guy we were just talking about. And that, of course, is Philip Lindsay. Without that carry, you know, I tweeted out right before that drive. I said they have to at least try to get the run game going on this drive or they're going to get Locke mm-hmm. killed out there. And mm-hmm. they finally hand it off to Phil. He bursts up the middle for 55 yards and a touchdown, and it that just completely changed the game. It took a little bit of pressure, and the Broncos looked up at the scoreboard and said, huh, we're still in this game. And I thought the defense got a jolt from that. Uh, and, and so in the end, had to give it to Phil here. Uh, while, while Drew was awesome in the end of the game, I think Phil's definitely a rightful king of the game here today. Phil revived the team. I mean, at that at 24-3, it just, the team just it felt dead. I mean, you were and you were starting to see some heads drop. You were starting to see uh, some effort even lag a little bit from time to time. And Phil, the hard charger that he is, woke the entire team up. And you see him going to the sideline, yep. getting people fired up. I think that that matters as well. You know, the the, the demeanor that he brought. The, the, he's always had that chip on his shoulder and that fire, but. Being able to do that when everything is going against the entire team, that's that's also leadership. I mean, he may not have the C on his jersey. He may never be a yeah. team captain. He probably should be. But that the, the way that he responded and the way that he exploded when when the current was going against the Broncos in every way, shape, and form at that moment, that was the start of, of all this. I mean, you know, Drew Locke, we're going to be talking about this comeback for a while, but what was the origin? What was the spark? What what lit it? What lit the fuse? And that was Phil. Yeah, it was Phil, and it's he's just he's. I said it before the game. I say it all the time. He's the energizer bunny. He is the heart and soul of the team. He is the heart of the team. Whatever metaphor you want to use, that's who this guy is. And Mace, I'm glad you pointed to what he did on the sideline afterwards. Love that. It's not just the touchdown. It's the energy that he just radiates when he makes a play, whether it's that one or just like a 14-yard carry. You just feel it radiating off of him. For him to go up and down the sidelines and pump everyone up, like that's what this team was lacking before, Phil. It's what they're lacking a lot of times beyond Phil. Um, But this is why you have to get him involved in every single game. Because when he's going, he he brings that swagger to the team. I think you can actually make a direct correlation between his swagger getting going and Drew Locke being able to see that and being like, yeah, like, let's go. Like, you know, I want to put an F in between those words. But you know what I mean? Like, they got (laughs) like... You need that. That's why you need Phil so desperately, and 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 just he has to be so involved in the game plan. I also, you know, we we haven't since week one seen the formation with both Phil and Melvin. I thought there was a huge lack of creativity out there today. Well, that's true. Uh, going back to Phil, though, I think in easily the toughest season of his pro um, career. He is playing the best football that I've ever seen him play. That's including um, his stellar collegiate career, his burst, his patience, his vision off the charts. And it's why he's able to manufacture these monumental big plays despite very limited touches. It's been incredibly impressive. And it's been huge for the Broncos and this, what, they're two and three in their last uh, three games. So that's if awesome. without Phil, it doesn't happen. 
Awesome. Shout out to Phil. I actually wanted to make the king of the game butt cheeks, but I was <laughs> shut down on that. Um, uh, Allie can tell you that uh, it was a it was a big uh, a big motif of the game for me. He would not. He, at the end, he screamed bloody murder. But no, I screamed butt cheeks. Yeah, but he was <laughs> screaming. I literally was like, "Dude, stop! <laughs> Yay!" But like, calm down. <laughs> it was just so perfect oh because uh, after the Albert, after Albert, uh, Albert Okwebunam made his catch, I was just like, I, I, I didn't think he caught it. And then mm-hmm. I, they were doing the slow motion replay, and like as it was descending, I was just like, "Butt cheek, butt cheek, butt cheek." It was butt the first thing. It, it was it was funny as I was watching. It was the first thing I kind of honed in on, because I'm like, "Okay, I, there's no way he got both feet in." But it's always it's one knee, one elbow, and yes, it's one butt cheek equals two <laughs> feet. <laughs> so that that that's that's all he needed. That and that's a uh, you know a gr- great catch by him as well, and. Uh, would have been cool to see him involved earlier, but hey, it's it's good to see him becoming a part of this offense. You know, Noah Fant also had some good catches as well. Man, I, I'm telling you, I think a big part of the future of this offense is the two of them out there together as uh, the combo that for a brief moment Gronk and Aaron Hernandez were for the Patriots eight, nine years ago. I think there's something there that can cause matchup nightmares for defenses. Yeah, no, I mean, it absolutely can. And again, I just, I think maybe Zach was right. Zach earlier this week, you know, brought up, maybe they make Albert Okawebunam um, inactive again this week because they just don't want Drew to lock on to him all game and they want him to go through his progressions. And at the time I said, that's a terrible idea. Um, but I think maybe there's a chance that that was part of the game plan for the Broncos this week. They were saying like, we're going to take your safety blanket away and make you make mm-hmm. plays elsewhere which is just shocking to me. You should be trying to make things easier on Drew Locke, not harder. But uh, finally he gets in there. Cause I don't even, I want to know what his snap count was in the first 50 minutes of the game. It had to have been shockingly low. I don't remember him. He definitely didn't have a target um, early in the game. So I'm glad they got him out there late, but I'm with you, Mace. That has to be a huge part of this offense moving forward. It absolutely has to be. And uh, I, We'll get the play count tomorrow, obviously. I wasn't keeping track of it during the game. But the first time that Albert O's name shows up in the game book, even being targeted, is on that touchdown. So you exactly. go 48-plus you go minutes into the game before he shows up in, in the stat column. Showed up, uh, showed up at the right time. But you know what? I, I, get, I get maybe that notion, okay, he – does have the comfort zone with Albert O. You want to get him to go through his progressions, but you also got to think in terms of got to win the game here. I mean, the developing the developing Drew Lock is crucial. I get that, but you know what? You're sitting here right now. Uh, you, if you won this game as you did, you are you know you're three and four. You're a you're a game back of the last playoff seed right now. You're a game and a half back of the team that's sitting in the number six spot. And oh by the way, you've got two of the teams that are in the mix for that last seed, the Raiders and the Dolphins coming up here in the next three weeks, you play to win. And if that, and Albert O being out there gives you the best chance to win growth is one thing. Growth is good, but you gotta, you gotta play to win games here because you do, because if, if the D you know, the way the defense was playing, although there's obvious concerns about the run defense right now playing as it did without Mike Purcell, but, You've got a path here. It, it, it may sound crazy given all this team has been through, 
but you actually do have a path to the number seven seed, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had a commenter there, uh, legendary astronaut Scott Carpenter, who said, uh, <laughs> I just became a DNVR member. Thank you for your support. There he Love is. Uh, what T-shirt should I get? Man, I mean, especially after a performance like today, and we just gave him the king of the game, it's hard to mm -hmm. not go with one of our Philip Lindsay shirts. Um, I am partial towards the OG homegrown because that was the first shirt we ever created mm -hmm. at then DSN. Um, but we have multiple Philip Lindsay shirts. I say pick one of those, uh, but I'll lean towards uh, the homegrown. Now, we've, and I see also we've still got the Phil homegrown shirt with him in CU colors as well. So yeah, I don't know if we have that one in stock. Okay. And the re well, it's just my nervousness that if the Broncos don't re-sign Philip Lindsay long-term, you want to make sure it doesn't go out of style. So Philip Lindsay and CU is never going to go out of style. Heck, they should probably retire his jersey up there. That's just me. Yeah. Uh, the Broncos are, are – I don't think they're dumb enough to not pay Phil, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, let's have a little Justin Herbert talk here. Uh, Mace, what did you think of him? I was certainly impressed. Um, a lot of good, a little bit of bad. Uh, and man, this team just can't help him win football games because he has certainly played better than his, I believe, now one and five record. Would yeah. suggest. Yeah, you know what? I mean that for that first throw, you're waiting for rookie moments from Justin Herbert, and that for the first interception that he had, that's a rookie moment. He just he he locks in on the receiver. Justin Simmons reads his eyes, reads his intent perfectly. It's that you can't do that to one of the best players in the league at his position like Justin Simmons is. So that's that that's a learning experience for him. The thing that Herbert has that you like from the Chargers perspective is that unlike a lot of young quarterbacks, he doesn't need a huge window. I mean, sometimes you've got to coach a college quarterback out of that habit as when they get to the pros that you have to have a big window. Those windows don't exist to the same degree in the NFL as they do in college. And he already seems to have that knack of knowing, okay, if a guy just has a sliver, that's enough to, to deliver the ball. And as long as I'm on target, good things are going to happen. So he's got that confidence. He's got that ability to find the, the tight windows. Uh, Credit to, uh, to to Bryce Callahan for a great play on the interception there in the third wow. quarter. Although Herbert's going to say, you know what? I got to put a little bit more on that. That thing's got to be outside shoulder. It can't come down inside. So that's one he's going to want to have back and want to do better. But then you look at plays like the touchdown at the end of the first half where he's rolling right. Malik Reed is right in his face and he just, and he doesn't lose his cool. He keep, he's able to to still have vision and see into the end zone and deliver a strike with Malik Reed bearing down on him. It you know reality's in the gray area. The Chargers they're mad about this game and uh, you know just and Justin Herbert's going to be frustrated. But at the same time, everything that I saw today is exactly what we saw in the in the last few weeks and. It doesn't change the opinion that Justin Herbert is a fran is is a franchise quarterback for them. Now, I think I mean the more interesting discussions are on are on Drew Locke than Justin Herbert. But I think Herbert uh, Herbert it's it's stat it's status quo for him. He's still doing very well. He had you know he had three touchdowns again. You know. Yeah, the and, one thing I will say is like that interception that he threw there is really unnecessary mm -hmm. uh, to throw that interception, and I completely. You know, there's so many thoughts going through my head at the end of that game. That changes the game almost just as much as Philip Lindsay 
uh, and his touchdown because, you know, Drew Locke throws a just a bad interception there um, when mm-hmm. he's just trying to make a play. You know, it, it, it's not even like the safety had to go that far. Like he was sitting right over on the top of that route. So Drew's yeah. got to see that better. But, you know, again, if Justin Herbert and the, the offense just scores there. We're probably not talking about this right now. And Drew Locke doesn't get the chance to turn around the narrative on him in the late stages of the game. So, you know, again, he's a rookie. You're seeing a lot of the right process from Justin mm-hmm. Herbert, which what you want to see if you're a Chargers person, not what you want to see if you're a Broncos person. Um, the one thing I will say is that touchdown where he's kind of scrambling right and just waiting for the routes to come over to that side, mm-hmm. that is – one of that's like the number one play that you're seeing teams with really good quarterbacks score on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes does it all the time. Aaron Rodgers does it all the time. Uh, Drew Locke kind of did it there on the last play of the game, although it wasn't as you know as much space around there. But mm-hmm. that is you know the difference um, between touchdowns and field goals in the red zone is being able to get over there, have that patience, wait for the route. And just the defense simply can't cover that many guys for that long as you buy time over there. Right. And, and he's able to just be patient. He keeps his eyes forward and he's so cool under pressure. And uh, it's what you see on that play is what you can't coach. And that's, and, and it's possible to be thrilled by the Broncos coming back, but also be nervous that Justin Herbert is, is somebody who's going to be a problem. It's just a question of whether the chargers can th- figure things out around him. We joke about the chargers right now, but I think long-term they will figure some things out. But right now it's just, you, you, you've got a quarterback who is doing all he can to try to reverse a losing culture. And it's a, it's a losing culture. It's exacerbated by not having Derwin James, not having Chris Harris Jr. By the end of the game, not having Joey Bosa, and and uh, and not having Austin Eckler. Although they certainly ran the ball effectively, although I think some of that is on the Broncos losing Mike Purcell. I think they really felt his absence today. Uh, yeah, you know what you just hope is that you have an awesome series of quarterback rivalries between Drew Locke and Justin Herbert, Drew Locke and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so I mean. That, that's mm-hmm. the hope right now is that you yep. have that drew lock now two and oh in his career against the chargers uh two <laughs> uh walk off field goals technically by uh by brandon mcmanus yep two uh and two times helped out by a timely dpi <laughs> exactly and that's the uh, thing like it, it, the char- the chargers don't just lose there's all there's something there within their grasp that may that is that leaves them just heartbroken yeah and, and, and that and 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 the pass interference penalty right there that that was that was the moment but you know it was, it was a clear call i mean they have to you, you can't complain about that if you're the chargers because you know fackerson has got his back turned to drew lock he's only playing the man if there's any kind of contact it is the very textbook definition of pass interference i mean they they can't they can only fault themselves for yeah that. they only have themselves to blame I for sure thought they were going to miss the field goal, um, and that's how this game was going <laughs> to go against the Chargers. I wasn't expecting the full field uh, touchdown drive with the uh, pass interference at the end. You just can't interfere there. It's just, uh, um, yeah. By the way, great. And, and by the way, after that, just got to say, great call at the goal line. We haven't talked about that play. Oh yeah. But we don't having the option there like that. We talk about use Drew Locke's mobility. And that's how you do it. Because the char the Chargers had to watch for him being able to get to the pylon and score. So if yep. you've got a young, agile quarterback with good feet, 
That's exactly the play call that you want to get one yard when it matters most. We've been hard on Pat Shermer. I think justifiably so. But before we move on, I got to tip the cap for that call. It may be the obvious thing, but it was the right call there. And I want to see more of that in short yardage type situations. You look at these stats, man, and it just illuminates how improbable that win was for the Broncos. Um, most notably, 84 plays, 59 plays. Um, you know, you just look at the rushing yards, giving up 210 rushing yards. The Broncos mm. had every reason to root, to lose that game. Uh, and winning it really completely alters their season. You know, mm. we could really be looking back on this game for Drew Locke, for the Broncos this season for so many different reasons just saying wow that improbable comeback changed everything uh for the for the course of you know this season and hopefully we're saying for the course of drew lock's career um i'd love to one day be looking back and say man i remember when people were ready to to call it quits with drew lock and then everything changed in that game he got his mojo back and was off to the races that season yeah, I think, and that's why we get away from the glow of this win and and kind of start rewatching it. That's kind of what, what Dre and I were talking about. With you know, some of the same issues were there. Drew Locke is not as bad as he was the first two and a half quarters, but he's probably not as good as he was in the fourth quarter. The reality on Drew Locke is going to be in between, and that's why I know everyone is going kind of week to week, moment to moment. Just let this season play out, good or bad. Get the big samples, bigger sample size, and then make the call because there there are more ups and downs to come in the next nine games of the season. We all this is inevitable, and yeah, I, let it play itself out. You just have to uh, you have to enjoy those ups and downs. Yeah. Like you know, that's something that I've been trying to preach to Broncos fans, and I understand it's really difficult, but you have to find a way to enjoy these. Um, these stages for a young team because mm-hmm. it's going to make it way more meaningful when they actually get it to get it all together and put it all together. Um, you know, if you look at a team like the Nuggets or even the Avalanche who have grown from, you know, from the bottom all the way up to close to the top now, um, it, there's a growth period and there's all of these young players who have to learn and mm-hmm. need to grow together um, and, and day, like wins like this are what you'll remember and you know you'll look back and say oh wow that game against the Chargers that was I can't believe that not only was that a huge comeback win for Drew but that was Albert Okuwebunam's first touchdown in that game and that was AJ Hamler's yeah, first Hamler's. touchdown was the game winner like those are the things that make you know being a fan of a team so great is enjoying the come up and it might feel like the Broncos are really far away right now because you got to go up against a team like the Chiefs every year. And they are. But you have to enjoy the growth process because they just aren't going to get there overnight. They're just never going to become the Chiefs overnight. Um, they, they're going to have to grow. And, uh, and you love to grow in wins like you did today. <laughs> uh, and hopefully they got their mojo back. Uh, Mace, let's go through. We can take down the stats now. Let's go through um, some of our helmet stickers for some of the maybe – more unsung heroes. I know we just mentioned this guy, but I think Bryce Callahan absolutely deserves one here. Um, just really game-saving play, I'll say, on that on that mm-hmm. you know big deep throw into the end zone. Yeah, and again, it's a short throw, but he reads it well. He adjusts. And by the way, you see Mike Williams, who's bigger, stronger than Bryce Callahan, and he starts doing that hand-fighting thing. And Callahan is credit, persistent, gives no quarter 
in that in that scenario, doesn't let himself get pushed around. That that's the Bryce Callahan that we've expected. The 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 guy who is a, yeah, he's a scrapper. He's a he's a smaller player, but he's going he's going to fight you, and he's he he's going to be kind of annoying almost to a bigger receiver like Mike Williams. But yeah, just out, outstanding play there. I see the you gotta go with him. You gotta talk about Kareem Jackson, even though. There's probably a fine coming for Kareem Jackson. Uh, his own week. player? Oh, uh, no, well, on the running back. Yeah, but even you, the hits are going to jump out, but also 12 total tackles today for Kareem Jackson overall, just all, all over the place. Gu- guided missile guided missile at times. You know, I wanted to uh, – I'm not sure. Do we give a helmet sticker to Josie Jewell? Oh, he was very picked on in coverage. Yeah, he was. But, and I mean, he had good plays against the run, also had a penalty. I'm not sure he qualifies. I think it was a little bit too much sour to go with the sweet for him today. Yeah. Uh, you know, KJ, man, he was just like, like I, the word I use for him, and it's just perfect, is wrecking ball. He's just a wrecking ball. Like, yeah. he has no regard for his body or really anyone else's body out there. Uh, and it can be a negative, and hopefully A.J. Boye is okay and doesn't have to miss any time, and hopefully uh, Pope is okay and doesn't have to miss mm-hmm. any time as well. But, you know, you just need guys like that on your defense who make guys think about them when they're out there yeah. playing. Uh, and K.J. makes you think about him if he's anywhere near you. He does. Now, that being said, the other hel- the helmet sticker I'm giving the wide receiver position is his fellow Penn State alum, Deshaun Hamilton. Mm. He, and and you know what? You talk about overcoming adversity. Drew Locke overcoming a, a wretched first two and a half quarters. Deshaun Hamilton, the one thing that when everything's breaking down for him, he could do well is run block, right? And he gets called for an illegal block in the back on a Philip Lindsay run. And it's the sort of thing that just has you throwing up your your hands in frustration at Deshaun Hamilton, just only being defined by mistakes, penalties, drops, etc. He played the best, he played the best 15 minutes of his football life in the fourth quarter today. And and, and when he had that 40-yard catch and run for a touchdown. I had the flashback to the Charger game last year when he was also open down the middle for what looked like a sure touchdown, and he dropped it. Mm. And today, he brought it in. So, you know, Broncos country has been justifiably hard on Deshaun Hamilton and even hard today, but give him credit for bouncing back in a big, big way and making a difference in this game. He gets a sticker. Yeah, absolutely. Um those are the things you love to see. You know, it's why we yeah. love to see Garrett Bowles getting his stuff together. Although, unfortunately, a little bit of a, a maybe not a little bit, a full step backwards for him today. Um, three penalties uh, is really mm-hmm. tough. But hey, in a win, you know, you'll just say uh, you'll maybe attribute it to the fact that Mike Munchak couldn't be there uh, and hope that he gets back on the right track. Or if you, uh, you know, if you're thinking of this from a long term perspective, you say, well, those three penalties might have saved the Broncos some money long term if they want to sign up Garrett Bowles long term. Um, <laughs> the catch, the catches to targets number isn't what you want to see here, but I, I'm going to give one to Jerry Judy because I thought he made big plays and big moments, um, especially that one that you mentioned. That kind of, uh, like you said, unclogged uh, what was whatever was going on for Drew Locke. Um, mm-hmm. It was a 43 yard catch. He ends up with four catches for 73 yards, averages 18 yards per catch, which you like to see him making those big plays. Um, but 
I, I thought you saw him just be a little more like himself out there today. Yeah, the the, the potential was there. It was more it, that you finally saw some flashes really result in in some big moments. And uh, again, I mean that that play. I, that you may look on that back on that play if the Broncos do take this and build off this next week in Atlanta and beyond, and you may that that may be a play that kind of like Philip Lindsay's look back and say, okay, that was you know that was a turning point. And again, that's what you're supposed to do against a a secondary that's playing without Derwin James, playing without Chris Harris Jr. You've got to you know you've got to capitalize when you've got a weaker opponent that's uh, that that should be on the ropes in terms of personnel so that that woke things up i mean really if judy doesn't have that 43 yard catch and run there in getting the broncos into scoring range i mean they're they're punting the chargers are probably the chargers probably drive to a field goal on the on the series that follows because uh, i mean what's interesting about the chargers in the in the fourth quarter they had two series and one went 46 yards and one went 60 yards and both went for field goals so the broncos while they were holding up in the red zone they weren't exactly stopping the chargers in the fourth quarter so the impact of jerry judy's catch and run just for keeping the defense off the field was profound yeah, absolutely. I want to give a helmet sticker to the combination of Bradley Chubb and Malik Reed, who may, I would argue, are having as good of a, uh, maybe a better stretch right now than than Bradley Chubb and Von Miller ever had together. Yeah. What are we at? Six sacks in three games for the combination of them, or even more? Well, we're, we're going back to the, the, the Patriot game, right? Not the Jets yep. game. I, I don't uh, I don't have it off the the top of my head, I don't have it in front of me right now, but you know, they both, both finished with sacks. I mean, I'm not going to give Bradley Chubb a helmet sticker because two 15 yard penalties yeah. can't do it. Fair, Sorry. Fair. I mean, and that, that, that face mask on, on Justin Herbert when he was, uh, when he was going into the line that, I mean, that felt like a potential killer when it happened, a killer of dreams. But then again, you're going against the chargers. They're going to find a way to give you another shot. <laughs> they always do. They always find yeah. you another way. Um, just man, what a, I, I what just a can't, be, can't believe we're sitting here right now uh, having this conversation because I was very much expecting to have the ultimate downer conversation of, okay, yeah, it's really looking bad out there. You know, what's the rest of the season look like? You're two and five, you're out of it. Um, I mean, it is just, I can't believe football can be like this. Just whenever you, anytime you think you know what's going to happen, you are wrong. Yeah. And uh, now we, the, the narrative here changes. We look at the, let's list, we've talked about these four games kind of in a cluster here. They're all winnable games, they're all losable games. They're teams that are kind of in the Broncos class. So now you go to Atlanta. You go to Atlanta having won three out of four. And yes, I get the fact that you beat three teams uh, that are, Two and five or worse in the Jets, Patriots, and Chargers. That that matters. Atlanta is another team that is worse than two and five. They're two and six. But it's a fascinating game because the Broncos have won three out of four, and Atlanta is a Todd Gurley mental lapse from winning three consecutive games with Raheem Morris on the job as head coach. And they were losing close games before. Atlanta is the classic team that even though they – Kind of like the Chargers, 
they can they find a way to, to to melt down at times, and they nearly gave the game to Carolina on a platter on Thursday night when they missed the PAT. I think we all kind of thought the same thing when that PAT missed and kept the Falcons or kept the Panthers within one score. Like, well, here we go again. But Atlanta is better than its record, and so it's it's a it's a game that you look at you look on the surface and see three and four versus two and six, but it's a fa- it's it's really a fascinating matchup, and it's not one the Broncos can take lightly. I would say overall as a team. The Falcons are probably better than the Chargers in part because their defense is playing a lot better now since Raheem Morris moved up to the head coaching position. Yeah, uh, you really hope that A.J. Boy is going to be out there next week. Oh, yeah. The combination of Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley is just Mm -hmm. disgusting. Um, It it looked so easy for them at times against the Panthers last week. So you really hope that he's going to be okay. And um, hopefully we'll get some updates here. I just just got an update from Zach that he'll be joining us here any second. So we'll look forward to that, see if we can get some updates on some of the injuries here. Um, Maybe even an update on Vic Fangio's injury, as it looked like he had uh, something going on there on the bridge of his nose. Yeah, it was like he had a bandage there, and uh, he went from he went from wearing the face shield to wearing the kind of the, the scarf, the gator kind of thing. Um, I have not been following on Twitter right now, so I have not I, I did not see that he uh, talked about it. Let's see what happens by search Vic Fangio uh, bandage. Oh, okay. According <laughs> to Lin- Lindsey Jones of the Athletic, Vic got bumped around after one of the interceptions in this game. Yes, and that's oh. why he had the big bandage on his nose. It must remember, have been. He started off with the face shield. And oh. then he and then he went to the face mask and kind of the 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 neck gaiter pulled up over his mouth and nose. Oh man, that's awesome. I want to yeah. I hope there's a video <laughs> of him mixing it up with the, with like Justin Simmons out there. Oh my gosh, hey, you know, but hey, everyone's playing hurt, right? Whatever it takes. Yeah, exactly. Whatever it takes. Um, yeah. Uh, whew. I'm just, wow. I, I can't wait to rewatch that game. Uh, I'll skip the first half uh, because that just oh. doesn't, doesn't sound oh. intriguing to me. But uh, I'm excited to see what it looks like uh, in the second half and see those guys uh, and see and just watch those plays again. They made some big plays. That's And like I said, when you're on the come up with the team, you just want to see the guys make plays. Uh, and from Jerry Judy to Philip Lindsay to Deshaun Hamilton to Albert Okawebunam to KJ Hamler, you saw the young guys make plays, and that's awesome. All right, we got our guy. So let's bring on Zach Stevens coming to you from Empower Field at Mile High. Zach, how you feeling, my guy? Fellas, oh my goodness, just absolutely electric. I mean, this is a high to Broncos country is going to ride all the way until next week. And, guys, this is this is a high that as long as the Broncos keep going, that it is going to be felt for a long, long, long time. And not just for the Broncos, but for Drew Locke. Not just for Drew Locke, but for K.J. Hamler, for this defense, for this young offense, guys. They really believe that this was the turning point in everyone's career on the young offense. And, man, it really could be. And that is just unbelievably exciting of what this could mean yeah um first i want to hear just some of the quotes from after the game and then i of course want to get your take on just what happened and, and specifically drew lock but anything notable uh that we need to know from after the game two huge things guys that 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 came out and that just continued to echo one obviously philip Lindsay's 55 yard touchdown run was the play of the game that was the turning point for the broncos for the offense 
for the defense, the defense knew when they got that touchdown that they had a chance and that they were going to be able to come back. Phil knew that someone needed to get that big play for them, even down big, and he did have it. And he knew it was going to be him, and he had it. That was absolutely huge. And the second big thing is Deshaun Hamilton. This is a guy that Drew Locke went out of his way. Philip Lindsay went completely out of his way to talk about how big Deshaun Hamilton was. They said this guy needs the credit that he deserves. He was huge, huge in this game. And I don't think there's any discounting that. And this is a guy that has probably been, been you know, thrown under the bus more than anyone else, including Melvin Gordon in Broncos country. And he came up huge for the Broncos today. Yeah, we were talking about him earlier and I gave him one of the helmet stickers, Zach, because I looked at how he overcame a mistake. And when he had that illegal block above the waist, you know, what is, what is the one thing that Deshaun Hamilton does well, even when he's struggling to catch the ball? He blocks. blocking. Yeah. That's why he keeps getting a jersey. And when that happened, I mean, I like Deshaun. I felt bad for him. Like, oh, man, dude, you, the, the, the area in which you are consistently good and you have a mistake here. And then to his credit, he rebounded. He in the fourth quarter, two catches for for uh, he started off with two catches for fifty yards. And then I think he had another wait, another one for fourteen. So three for sixty four. That forty yard catch and run that looked eerily like the play where he dropped it last year against the Chargers across the middle. This time he made it. Yeah, I, I hope it's a turning point for him. Yeah, and it really could be. And guys, without Tim Patrick today. Deshaun was the only vet that, that the Broncos had at wide receiver that actually played today, and they needed him. He stepped up in a huge way. Of course, all of the rookies stepping up. Alberto getting the huge touchdown, the butt-cheek touchdown, as, as RK has deemed it. And, of course, the K.J. Hamler stepping up huge with another butt-cheek butt touchdown. I mean, just so much excitement. And, guys, that's another thing that you could feel through the Zoom calls was how much confidence there is in this team. Even Vic Fangio, guys, he jumps on the Zoom calls, uh, and the first question is asked to him, and Vic stops it and says, wait, no, 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 no. First thing you got to do is say congratulations on the big win. I mean, that, that's Vic. Vic. Vic doesn't do stuff like that, you know? So Vic is pumped. This team is pumped. And, man, this is something where, you know how last week, we were talking about how it stinks in the NFL sometimes because you only play once a week. And so the, the, the bad gets just harped on way too much. Well, this is the time where Broncos fans are going to say, yes, let's enjoy every last second of these seven days leading up to the Falcons game. And guys, in one week from now, Broncos could be four and four in the thick of the playoff race right now. They're not in the cellar of the AFC West and Drew Locke is here. And guys, the, the other big thing coming from this was Drew Locke stood up at halftime when he said it was like a deja vu all over again from the end of last week's Chiefs game. There was a lot of yelling going on and he said rightfully so because the offense stunk. And there's no question about that. And Drew Locke stunk in the first half. Whew, it's a little tough to breathe in here. And Drew stood up and said, we need to turn this around. We just need to do our job and he said it, it was a big turning point for the offense, and that's what you need from your quarterback. You need a quarterback that's going to go go out, say, I'm messing up. We're all messing up. We all need to do better. And Drew did just that. In the fourth quarter, he was absolutely money. I mean, we're talking about John Elway stats, 14 of 18, 155 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and a walk-off game-winning touchdown. 
incredible. It was incredible, uh, and I loved. I love hearing that about the second about the locker room because that's when I thought Drew looked low out there. Um, it was tough to watch. He just didn't look like he had his confidence. He looked like he was struggling. He looked like he didn't really. He was just a little lost. Um, but I love the fact that regardless of that, he went in there, dug deep, uh, and talked some, you know, some confidence into his guys out there. Then, of course, he went out there and got sacked almost three times in a row to start the second half, which I'm sure didn't help things. But just to stay with it, the resilience of Drew Locke is my biggest takeaway from this game. Uh, for him to just look down and out so many different times and to come back and to have a fourth quarter like that that you mentioned, Zach, it's uh, it's really commendable. And it, I really don't think it's an overstatement to say it could be something we look back on for, for years to come. Zach, I told you before the game that it was going to be a narrative flipper. I didn't realize that the narrative would flip it on itself within the game, maybe all the way into the fourth quarter. But I just want to know from you, how much better are you feeling about Drew Locke after the, the end of that game? I think we'll know the answer to that question in three games from now, because what what's going to happen is how bad was the first half? It was as bad as you could be. I mean, there were legitimate calls to have Brett Rippon come in for the game because there, there was no way that Drew or that Brett could be any worse. And you can't disagree with that. Drew was that bad, but then he was tremendous in the second half, specifically that fourth quarter. Absolutely tremendous. So I, I'm riding the high right now as everyone should be. But if he comes out next week uh, against the Falcons and the week after that against the Dolphins and lays, lays some does, then people are going to say, well, that was a Chargers defense that we talked about before the game. Very banged up, uh, and Drew just had a good half. If he comes out, and he doesn't have to look like three touchdowns and no picks like he did in the fourth quarter, but if he's solid, then that then I'm going to say, okay, this was real. Now, I, I'm, I'm riding the high, and I'm going to, so I feel better about Drew. But am I ready to, to sign him up to the 10-year deal? No. And, and it's not fun to talk about that right now after the way he just played. But, yes, I'm feeling a lot better. But now we need the consistency because we knew Drew had the flash, didn't we, mm -hmm. coming out? That's why I wanted the Broncos to take him in the first round because he had the flash. If the consistency is there with the flash, then you got yourself a, a quarterback for the long haul. Yeah, and I think, I think the other thing really, – yeah. oh, Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, and it, it, the the four games, I think that that kind of sets up a baseline. But it's almost like you kind of have the next chapter. If he does all right, if he stabilizes over the next three games, ending that four game stretch that started today, then it's like, okay, can you pass the next test? Because then right after that, loom the Saints and the Chiefs. So it's sort of kind of it's like if he does reasonably well in those four games, it gives himself a chance to prove something more in those two that are going to be the real litmus test against New Orleans and Kansas City. I think for Drew, it's really just about buying him himself time right now. You know, it, it felt like uh, if there was like a meter, he was like, you know, all the way down and then he like found a health pack and now he's back up full. Um, for <laughs> yeah. him, he just has to keep, you know, keep making plays, keep showing the promise of a young quarterback, which he did in spades in the fourth quarter. It feels like he saved up, you know, all of his for the last eight quarters, all for that one quarter. But that's just what you need to see from Drew. And, you know, that's what to me the, it is. It, this is about going forward. This is about Drew buying more time. He got his confidence back. He got his swagger back. He's dancing as they score the game-winning touchdown. Like, God, what a relief that must be for him from, from the way he felt just two quarters earlier. Um, but you can't ignore 
what happened in the first half. I'd, I'd be an idiot to do so, and and I'm not going to be that person who tries to, you know, apologize for everything that happened in the first half or anything like that. What I will say is he kind of canceled it out, but he ended with a win and a comeback, and he just bought himself a lot of goodwill. I think, you know, Broncos country is very impatient. We know this. Um, but in the end, like, they just want to win. They just want to yep. win. And so by winning today, he earned some good faith. I don't think he's going to change anyone's mind. There's still going to be, you know, 17 film analysts on on Twitter all week telling you about what happened in the first half. It's whatever. But what, what Drew Locke did was he changed the narrative, which was, go, which was ready to bury him. And now – He's got a fresh slate going into the Falcons game. I just hope that Pat Shermer and him are finally, you know, learning to jive. And I hope Shermer can kind of figure out what works for Drew because I thought he really struggled with that in the first half. Um, And hopefully Drew can just keep the momentum rolling because, you know, everyone knows that the best case scenario for the Broncos is Drew Locke becoming the franchise quarterback. Drew Locke looks so freaking uncomfortable that first half. It was insane. And I couldn't tell if that was because he was trying too much to go through his reads and find that third progression, get there. If that was because, you know, he just wasn't playing well at all. If Pat Shermer was, you know, putting him a square peg in a round hole. And then look what they did the very final play of this game. Drew's on the run. And what did Drew say after the game? He said, I loved it. I love being on the run, and I love having the option. There you go. Do that. Do that from, from the beginning. Don't wait till, till the end of the game. Drew said that was their, uh, their two-point conversion play, something that they've had in the arsenal for a long time. You don't have to just save it. You don't have to, yeah. to just save that till the end. Uh, so I want to see more of that. And uh, Drew, Drew said this after the game, too. He said, you know, giving everyone pushback. Uh, outside of the Broncos locker room. He said, we've had three full games with this offense with normal personnel or fairly normal personnel. Maybe we're just starting to click. Maybe people had opinions of us based off six games with multiple different quarterbacks and personnel. That can absolutely be true, Drew. But now that's when I need to see it again next week. Again, it doesn't have to be 150 yards and three touchdowns in in one quarter over an entire game. But if you can show that, okay, we're building, we're going somewhere, then, yep, I'm right there with you, Drew. I am right there with you. Because, yeah, Justin Herbert, his first five games, and now six, he had another, you know, good statistical game for the most part. He's he's doing great things in six games. It's still very, very young for Drew Locke. He can absolutely still, you know, become a great quarterback. But he he, he needs to do it, and this fourth quarter was huge. It was huge. It was awesome. And I just love that he's building that narrative, whether it's true or not, because that's something you can sell to the team. Hey, it's us against the world. No one realizes what we're building here together. That fourth quarter was everything we've worked for. Like that, you know, Drew Locke, as a quarterback, sometimes you have to be a salesman. You have to sell a narrative to a football team. That's a sellable narrative to those guys in there. Look at what everyone else didn't think that we could do, that we knew we could do. And this is why we work so hard every week. And this is what it's going to be like from here on out. I just love hear I love hearing him say that to the media because that means it's what he's saying in there as well. Uh, and, and again, this could be a massive turning point for them. And we're not even mentioning the fact that Tim Patrick wasn't out there who's been his best receiver this year. And by the way, neither was Cortland Sutton. So he's down his top two receivers. They just scored 30 points. Um, Fantastic, incredible, shocking, 
just whatever you whatever you want to call it was. Uh, and I really hope, and, and I think there's a really good chance that one day we're looking back on this as a a monumental game in Broncos lore. I'll even go that far because if this team, and especially Drew Lock, I mean, it all comes down to Drew Lock. If Drew yeah. Lock ends up being who I think he can be and who a lot of people want him to be, then we will look back on this one day. Um, and if he doesn't, well, then it'll just go, you know, it'll go away as another fun game, like a Tim Tebow type game. But- <laughs> Bingo. And that's actually who I was thinking of. It was that game in Miami when they were down 15 nothing in the fourth quarter. And, and it was kind of similar to this game. Just it was tedium. It was terrible to watch. And brought them all the way back, 50, 15 points in the last seven minutes of regulation, field going overtime, and they win it. So is this going to be Elway against Baltimore, or is it going to be Tebow versus Miami? That's it, yeah. we're, we're, I think we're going to have a good, good idea on that by the end of the season. You know, I'll tell you, I think I think we'll know in the next three weeks, guys. I'm really set on these four games with this one being the start of it. Uh, and you know what? Where we are with Broncos football right now, I'll take either of those. Now, of course, you want the John Elway versus Baltimore game for Drew Locke, and now you don't have to worry about the quarterback for the next 20 years. But if we're going to have a Tebow season with Drew Locke this year, bring it on, baby. Come on. <laughs> There's seven playoff sp- spots out there. Anything could happen. Yep. Um, in the end... There's going to be a lot to digest from this game moving forward. And, of course, we'll be discussing it all throughout the week on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Everyone who tuned in, we'd love if you hit us with a like on the YouTube version of the stream. We always appreciate those. We appreciate the subscribes. The uh, You know, you can sign up for the alerts, all of it. Thanks to everyone who joined us. Thanks to Breckenridge Brewery for bringing you guys these post-game lives and for bringing me the beer that I'm about to have as soon as we finish this. Um, Let's go. <laughs> All around, just one hell of a night for Broncos country. And like I preached, just enjoy it. Enjoy these moments as a young team tries to blossom together. This is what it's all about. Uh, and hopefully, one day we do look back on this as a, as a really important game in Broncos lore. But for Mason Zach, I'm RK, and we'll talk to you guys soon.